everyone, I'm Ari Medlin here with Rachel Proley and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. We are on episode 33 and this week's question is, how do you overcome writer's block? Before we begin, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening so you never miss a show. And if you enjoy our episodes, please do give them a like. Okay, well we had to start talking about writer's block sometime and we thought we might as well do it now. Almost every writer suffers from writer's block. I've, I have seen the odd writer boldly claim, no, no, I've never had writer's block. And well, let's be honest, we hate them. So we're going to ignore them and carry on about everybody else. <laughs> to be fair, there are some people who don't believe in writer's block. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to ignore them as well. <laughs> I suppose the concept is like, what is writer's block? And everyone seems to have a different description for what it is. For me, I see it as that mental block, really, where you just sort of hit a wall and you just struggle to move forward. And that could be anything from actually physically writing something where you think, well, I, what, what can I write? To circling the same plot hole over and over again as if you can't get off the roundabout. <laughs> so because a lot of writers actually do suffer from writer's block, that is why we're talking about it. We're going to give you our suggestions for how we overcome writer's block, aren't we? <laughs> we do need sound effects. We do need sound effects, yeah. That'll be the next thing. Okay, so... On. <laughs> Give us money! <laughs> so my first suggestion is, when I'm able to, is to free write. And that is where you sit down and you just write. You just put your fingers on the goddamn keyboards and you just write. That could be absolute garbage. It could be just pressing all the keys or it could be just, I am sitting here staring at a blank page and I don't know what to write over and over again. Sometimes getting over that first hurdle of starting, especially when you're struggling, can be a block in itself. And just putting words down, at least it feels you're doing something. It's sort of giving the, the good old sparks in your head a poke, the uh, inspirational sparks, giving them a good old poke and hoping that they'll burst into flames and get a bit higher. Does it work all the time? No, it doesn't. So why did I put this as the first one? <laughs> because it can work. And if you are hitting that wall where there's like nothing, you can't think of anything, just write that you can't think of anything, that you're sat in your chair, that you're sat in your room, that you're staring out the window. You just write something. That's what it is. I think everyone assumes to get over writers, but you have to just be writing a story. You have to be writing a character profile. Brilliant if you can, but if you can, just write something. It sounds so stupid, but it really does work. Because it's true, yeah. When you sit down to free write, and even if you just write, I don't know what to write, you're still working those those muscles in your hand, or whether you're typing or handwriting, or even just your brain, and you're just thinking about it, and eventually something will come to you. For me, whenever I free write, I end up making a list of what I need to do for the day, or what I want to get done for the week. I swear, I know I talk about this in probably every episode, but I love making lists. And for some reason, even if I make a list of my stories and what stages they're in, and I try to make deadlines for myself, I'm still thinking about it. And for some reason, an idea will just suddenly come to me. But on the other hand, sometimes I don't free write because there are days where I feel like free writing isn't as productive. 
So I'll use writing prompts to write something new or attempt to continue where I left off. And these writing prompts I'll find on Pinterest or I'll just like open up the dictionary or Google or something and just pick a random word and just go with it. Oh, I like that. I never thought of picking a, like a specific word and then kind of trying to create a story from it. That's actually really clever. Yeah, and if you find a vocabulary word that you don't necessarily know, you can always learn something new. The more you know. <laughs> Rachel, telling us all to read the dictionary. Yes. <laughs> I have to admit, I love writing prompts. I don't use them as often as I use, as I like to, but I do collect them on Pinterest because you just kind of have to. But I have always been more drawn to pictures as prompts I love a good picture so I will again like you said self-troll through Pinterest and not even looking for anything specific I'll just scroll through all the imagery and then an image a photograph a landscape will appear and I'll just pick it and then if I'm really struggling what I will do is I will literally just very boringly describe what I see in that picture if I'm feeling a little bit more spark of creativity I will use that picture and maybe create a scene describe a character that might live there or whatever's going on in the scene kind of like what's happened before that scene what happened after that scene but I find that helps because it's just one single image can become something more and I have created a lot of story ideas from simple imagery that I found on Pinterest that's a good idea. I've done that too. Because for me, I struggle with description and settings and imagery and things like that when I write. So having a picture as a prompt has really helped me, you know, fill in that gap and kind of come up with other words and ways to describe something. And it, yeah, it really opens something up, whatever is in your brain, it opens something up and <laughs> it works. I think if you are um, a very visual oriented person, then picture prompts are a really good idea because they can just, they can create a whole new story for you or they can add to a story you're writing or just, as we've said, almost like a practice, practice writing. You might never use that, that stuff you write, fine. If you are more text-based or you like a deeper prompt, then definitely writing prompts are great for that. And seriously, if you haven't got a Pinterest account, if you are not storing up prompts all over the place on a Pinterest account, then you need to start, seriously, start. But don't, because it's addicting. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That is the only place I scroll more than anything. I, I, can, I can avoid Twitter. I can avoid Facebook. I can avoid Instagram. I am constantly drawn in to Pinterest. It's Pinterest my... is a killer. Yeah. I love Pinterest, though. <laughs> there are so many useful writing resources on there. Not even just prompts, but just resources in general. And depending on what you write, you can, I mean, Pinterest is technically considered a search engine than yes. a social media platform. So have at it. I have very rarely used Pinterest as a search engine. I rarely go in and search. I just go onto the main page and pin things. And obviously it's algorithm then goes, oh, you like this. And then it gives me more of that. And I get all excited and pin more things. I rarely go in and search for things, but I do have a writing resource board and uh, that has everything from weaponry, outfits, types of diseases. <laughs> Sounds really random. You know, and then other things where it's like ideas for editing methods and types of outlining methods. So it's a kind of a mixed bag of, of random that I like to keep in there. My Pinterest looks the same. I try to organize my boards every once in a while. And it's, it's a process. I mean, I have so many different boards, but I have different sections for my boards and things like that. 
I, I will use Pinterest as a search engine, though. If I'm looking for something specific for one of my novels, I will go onto Pinterest and, and search whatever it is I'm looking up. Because Google, it comes up with web pages, which is great, and technically so does Pinterest. But again, they're more visual, and I am a visual person. So it's easy to find infographics and get that quick information rather than scrolling through a 3,000-word article or something. Yeah. Speaking of visual, one of the other ways I like to kind of get the creative juices flowing is I will step away from the writing and I will watch movies. Any excuse to watch movies, always good. And I will pick movies in the genre I'm writing. And I usually pick ones I've already watched before. I think it's a good way of stimulating ideas, everything from like the landscapes, the dialogue, it all helps. Of course, you've got to stop then getting caught up watching all the movies and not doing any writing. Yeah, something like that. It, it inspires you to write something similar. And I agree with you to watch movies that you've already seen because you know what to expect and you don't have to think too much. You don't have to pay attention too much. And you can really zero in on the finer details of how they did a certain thing and how you might be able to use that for your novel and so on and so forth. So yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll watch movies or I'll read a book or something to inspire, like, you know, get that get those creative juices going again. But have you ever sat down to watch a movie when you're stuck in your writing and then, you know, either halfway through the movie or like, I don't know, maybe a half hour in or something, you get this sudden urge, like, I'm not being productive. I want, this is making me want to write. I need to go write right now. I have. Usually what I do in that situation is I will continue with the movie because, God damn it, I put it on and I insist on watching all of it. But I will usually go and get um, a pad and paper and I will be scribbling down notes and ideas as they're coming. Because I sometimes find just being away from the computer in a different location can sort of help jig things up a bit. So just sitting there with pad and pen rather than clickety-clack on the computer, that does help. See, you, I'll, I'll usually continue on with the movie as well. But nine times out of ten, I will actually sit there and watch the movie. There are sometimes I, too, will go grab a notepad and write notes or something like that. But for the most part, I'm just like, no, I'm going to stick out this movie. And then by the time the movie ends, I'm like, oh, I should write. Oh, but it's eight o'clock at night. No, <laughs> I forbid. <laughs> but what you said actually brings me to my next point is that when I get stuck on my writing, I will sometimes write in a different environment. Instead of writing in my office, I'll go down to the dining room, or if it's nice out, I'll sit outside on the deck. Or instead of writing on the computer, I'll write in a notebook. Or even sometimes I'll just simply change the font, shape, size, or color. And it'll, for some reason, it just kind of tricks your brain into you're writing something new and it gets all excited about it again. And then you could just keep rolling with it. That's true, actually, changing like the size and font and everything. It does, it makes you catch errors as well quicker. They always say if you're doing an edit, you should change the font style or font size when you read through like maybe the second or third time. And then again, when you do the next one, because it just, you, you get so used to seeing the same style, the same size, the same color, that you do skip over errors, which is why, you know, you can read the same paragraph 20 times and miss that spelling error or that really clunky sentence structure. And then you change that color to red and suddenly it's really glaring and it's like, how did I miss that? Yeah, our brains are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my next point doesn't segue nicely, so I'm just going to jam it in. Go for it. Mine would be to stop writing altogether and actually do a hands-on project. 
and you might be going, well, how does that work? How does that get on writing block? You're just ignoring it. And you are, and it's great. But also, as writers, we spend a lot of time in our heads and we churn around in there. It can become overwhelming. And I think sometimes stepping away and doing something that's not as mentally challenging can be helpful. And hands-on projects are better for clearing the mind. Even though you could be, if you're painting or drawing or knitting or sewing or or woodworking, you still need to focus, you still need to think. It's almost like a, a different type of focus. And I found that just stepping away from the writing and doing something that is so completely separate from it, not thinking about it, not planning it, not running ideas in your head, you're putting your focus on something totally different that needs focus. That's the point. You know, you don't want to be doing something, a hands-on project where you're not thinking. You need a task where you are focusing, you are thinking, not one of those where you can just daydream away. That's the, the whole point is to get you off thinking about your writing and thinking about something else. And it just gives your brain that little bit of rest before it comes back. And it's almost like it comes back with a fresh pair of eyes and you've let it sort of simmer quietly in the background for ages without thinking about it. And then you're able to. And I've always found that helpful. Oh, I, I agree with that. You're just taking a break. Because let's be real, it's hard for us to take breaks whenever we start something, we just want to finish it. And then if the idea is too exciting, we just get carried away with it and we continue on with it, which is good. But after a little while, we do need to take a break and let our brain rest a little bit. And I like the idea of working on something else in the sense that it's hand-on and it's just another creative project because you're taking a break from the writing, but you're still staying creative. Yeah, I think that's it though. If you're, if you're doing something creative, it might be a shifted, like it might pivot to a different type of creativity. It keeps that well filled up. You yeah. know? It's like you're still practicing creativity and it kind of builds up nicely. So then you can bring that creativity back to the writing. But that's why we say do a hands-on project, not take a break and sit down and do nothing all day. Because then all you'll do is you'll just think about the fact you should be writing, think about the issue that you're struggling with. And that might not help at all. That would probably put you in a worse funk than you were in to begin with. Yeah, the, you'll just feel guilty at the end of the day for not getting any work done. At least yeah. I do. Yeah. Maybe, maybe other people don't. Maybe we're the only ones who do that. <laughs> Speaking of taking a break, that like my final point on how to get over writer's block is similar to yours. It's taking a break, but it's still writing. So if I'm truly stuck on one of my novels, I will stop writing that and I will move on to another novel idea and I'll start writing that or I'll try to work on something else that I've already started. So I don't have 20,000 half written novels. Doesn't That never seems to work, but I'll, I'll take a break in the sense that I'm writing something different instead of working on that specific novel that I'm racking my brain trying to figure out how to get to work. That's a good one. And it doesn't always have to be another writing project in the sense of another novel or another story. It could be writing your journal. It could be writing blog posts short stories it could be something totally separate it could be trying a different genre i mean in the end there are lots of different suggestions for writers block. you go online you search writers block and everybody has an opinion here's our opinion that you never asked for <laughs> <laughs> so these aren't like the only suggestions and i know there's some people who are like just write through it and it's like i have tried that and honestly it made it made things worse i ended up with worse burnout and i ended up hating everything and almost destroying all my writing because I was so angry at everything you know because I pushed through and yet other people will push through and do brilliantly and it'll just be like yay it's gone so in the end you kind of have to just try different things there isn't a single way of getting all the writers blocked there just isn't you have to try different things for each person I mean long story short you have to do what works best for you and it's going to be trial and error 
to get over your writer's block. Writer's block, it's not even a one-time thing. You're going to get it, and then once you get over it, you're going to get it again at some point. It's just yeah. inevitable. Yes. And so once you figure out what works best for you on how to get out of that funk, then you, sh you should be good to go. And the fact that we have both given three different options each kind of proves that there, there isn't even one way of fixing it for each person. Because depending on what caused the block, whether it was mental exhaustion, whether it was burnout, whether it was stuck in a plot hole that you just you can't see a way out of or anything like that, each one can require a different fix, if you will. If you're going in looking for it, this is the only way to get over writer's block and then you're done forever, you're fine. I got news for you, that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> and if you're one of those people that never gets writer's block, brilliant. But please don't go around telling everyone else that they shouldn't get writer's block and it's all their fault because that's not fair. Everyone is different. Everyone's going to come up and, and hit the different roadblocks in their life and in their writing. And shaming people for having writer's block, shaming people for struggling with their writing isn't helpful. There's no shaming at all in the writing community. <laughs> or you get you get killed in our novels. <laughs> that's, that's the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is a community. We're supposed to be a community, you know? It's like we're supposed to be supporting each other and helping each other throughout really intense journey of from writing at the beginning to hopefully publishing. So, yeah. So with that said, uh, we will draw this to a close. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and please do let us know how you overcome your writer's block. Put it in the comments or over on Twitter using the hashtag The Mirror Writer Podcast. As always, if you want to get some extra content, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash The Mirror Writer Podcast. You can support our show for as little as $1 a month and that will give you extra bonus content, including mini episodes. Tune in next week for another episode of The Mirror Writer Podcast where we ask all the right questions. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Stuffed Bookshelves. Our TBR piles are huge. The music, titled Inspired, is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.